You are listening to a New Season Church audio sermon. Prepare your heart to hear a word from God. Well, this morning I'm going to be continuing with our series, Lionheart. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about having courage during this time, that we are to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And everywhere we look, it's not difficult to find bad news. And receiving bad news is one of the quickest ways and quickest pathways to anxiety. See, every single one of us can relate to the fear that comes with receiving bad news, whether it's at work or at home or in our community. And we all face the challenge of confronting widespread and normalized negativity and the desire to see the world through the lens of hope. But at the end of the day, the Word has called us to be overcomers through the one that loves us. We are overcomers through the one that loves us. And Paul wrote from a prison cell that we can focus our minds on good things even though things around us might be bad. And so the question then is, how do we live a life without the fear of bad news? And notice I didn't say what it's like to live a life without bad news. I said, what is it like to live a life without the fear of bad news? Because there is a place in God. There is a place in God where we can live removed from the fear of the what-ifs and what might happen and the bad news that we might receive, whether we're at home, at work, or in the community around us. There is a place in God where we can live without the fear of bad news. And so let's look at Psalm 112 verses 6 to 7. It says, He will not be moved forever. The uncompromisingly righteous, the upright, in right standing with God, shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is firmly fixed, trusting, leaning on, being confident in the Lord. His heart is established and steady. He will not be afraid while he waits to see his desires established upon his adversaries. This verse speaks of a person that is unafraid. It speaks of a person that is fixed and steady. It speaks of a person that cannot be moved regardless of what's happening around them. And this is the promise of God for you and for me. It is a promise that we can live a life where we are fixed, where our hearts are fixed and steady, that we are people that are not moved. That is a promise of God. But whenever you see a promise in the Word of God, There is always an accompanying action that's required on our part. See, the promises of God are not automatic. The promises of God are based on our engagement with that promise. And so whenever you see a promise in the Word of God, it's always good to go back a few verses before it and see what is the condition or what is the action that's required on our behalf in order to step into into that promise or to experience that promise in our lives. And so let's look at verse 1. And it says, Praise the Lord, hallelujah, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the man who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord, who delights greatly in His commandments. And there is the engagement, there is the condition, there is the action that's required in our behalf. The word here says, blessed, fortunate, to be envied is the man How many of you sitting at home right now want to be blessed, want to be fortunate, want to be envied because of the blessing of God upon your life? It says, blessed is the one, fortunate, uh, to be envied, 
is the one who reveres God, who is the one that worships God, who is the one that puts the trust in God. And it says, and the one who delights greatly in his commandments. What are his commandments? Well, his word. Remember last week I spoke to you that God commanded or told Joshua, do not be afraid. He said, meditate on this word day and night, and then you will make your way prosperous and you will have great success. Well, that sounds like to me, like someone that is blessed, someone that is fortunate, someone that is to be envied. And it's the same thing. That is the condition of the promise for us to live in a place where we are not afraid of the, of, of the bad news that might be coming our way. To be live in a place where we are steady, where we are firm, where we are not moved, where we are people that are what we call blessed, fortunate, to be envied. We are to delight in the Word of God. We are to meditate on the Word of God. We are to worship God. We are to magnify our perspective of who He is in our lives. And we are to delight in the Word. That it's not supposed to be a drag. That that we are supposed to get excited when we read the Word. That we are supposed to be expectant and excited when God reveals certain things in the Word to us. That is the condition of the promise to live in a place where we are without fear of bad news. And let's carry on with the verses after and see what is the, what's the result of really delighting in the Word of God and God's commandments. And I'll pick up from verse 2 and it says, His spiritual offspring, who's He? The one that is blessed, the one that is, uh, reveres God, the one who delights greatly in His command. His spiritual offspring shall be mighty upon the earth. He, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Verse 3, prosperity and welfare are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright, gracious, compassionate, just, who are in right standing with God. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Verse 6, he will not be moved forever. The uncompromisingly righteous, the upright and right standing with God shall be an everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is firmly fixed, trusting, leaning on him, being confident in the Lord. His heart is established and steady. He will not be afraid while he waits to see his desires established upon his adversaries. And last week I started touching on the Israelites and Joshua and them crossing, crossing over into the promised land. And this morning I want to pick up on that, on that theme again. And I want to look at, uh, from Numbers chapter 13, where Moses and the Israelite nation is on the brink of walking into the promised land, crossing over into the promised land. This uh, land that, they, that God has spoken to them uh, when He had removed them from the bondage of Egypt. And really, when you look at the promised land in the Old Testament, it's a type and a shadow of the promises of God that are available to us and the process that we go through in stepping and walking in the promises of God. And so Numbers 13 speaks about how God uh, instructed Moses to send out 12 spies into Canaan, the promised land and come back with a report of what it looked like is it what God had told them about who are the people that are there what you know what are their numbers can they possess it and so I'm going to read from numbers 13 
And I'm going to walk through quite a few of the scriptures in there. Um, and so I want you to keep up with me this morning because I want you to get the full idea or the highlights of this account. So we're going to pick up from verse 3 and it says, So Moses, by the command of the Lord, sent scouts from the wilderness of Paran, all of the men who were heads of the Israelites. Verse 18, And what and see what the land is, and whether the people who dwell in there are strong or weak, few or many, and whether the land they live in is good or bad, and whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and what the land is, whether it's fat or lean, whether there's timber or on it or not, and be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Verse 23, And they came to the valley of Eshkol, and cut down from their branch with one cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them. They brought also pomegranates and figs. Verse 27, They told Moses, who came to the land to which you sent us, Surely it flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. But the people who dwell there are strong, and the cities are fortified, and they are very large. Moreover, there, there we saw the sons of Anak of great stature and courage. Verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. But his fellow scout said, We are not able to go up against the people of Canaan, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land which they had scouted out, saying, The land through which we went to spy is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that saw in it are men of great stature. Moses sent out 12 scouts, 12 men, to go and survey the promised land. And he told them, come back and tell us what the land is like. Who are the people? Is it fortified? Is the timber? Is the, uh, is the, is the land uh, fat or lean? What does it look like? And they come back and they say, it really is a land flowing with milk and honey. And this, they bring the fruit back. And I mean, these grapes are so big that they take one cluster and they have to carry it on a pole between two men. I mean, talk about an overflowing blessing. And so this is really the promised land that God had told them about so many years before. But there's only two people that say, we can go and possess it. The rest of the people, 10 out of the 12 say, look, it's great, but there's no way. The people that are there are so big. The, they are so huge. There's no ways we will ever be able to take that land. We will never be able to possess that land. It, they are too big. And the scripture says that they said that they, 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 they are as grasshoppers in their eyes. I mean, these people were huge and they say, there's just no ways we can do it. But there was one person, Caleb, that said, you know what? It is like that, but we are able to conquer it. Yes, there are big people there. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are things that might make us fear, but we are able to conquer it. We must go at once and possess it. You see, oftentimes, the, this is... This account and of the of the scouts coming back and giving a bad report is almost the same as what happens to the, today with some of the investigative reporters, where they take a few snippets of the story and fill in the blanks. And isn't that what happens with us as well? 
is that we will take a few snippets of a situation and then we'll fill in the blanks and we'll make our own conclusion based on a few things as opposed to uh, what is the perspective or what is the heavenly perspective of this situation. You see, we need to understand that many of us struggle with worry anxiety because we write our own report and before we ever step out into the world. We write our own report before we've ever even attempted to possess the land. We, we write our own bad report because before we've ever even attempted to step out and walk in the promise and, 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 and attempt to grab the promise of God for ourselves. We experience anxiety and fear because we write our own bad report before we've even attempted to do what God has called us to do. We experience our perspective. We don't solely experience the realities in our life. We experience our perspective of our realities in this life. In good news or bad news, the report we choose to believe is more important than the news we hear. Moses asked his men to go and scout out Canaan. He asked them to go and size up Canaan. He never asked them to size themselves up. He never said go and check how you compare to what is in Canaan. The only thing he asked them to do was come and give me the report of what it looks like. Is it what God had promised us? Is it really the land flowing with milk and honey? And so they come back when they return with bad news. They, of how strong the enemies are and how they are weak in, in, uh, compared to them. And he said, we seem like grasshoppers in, our, in, in, their, in their eyes and we look the same to them. You see, they, they had determined what they look like compared to the challenge. Their perspective determined what they look like compared to the, to the challenge that they were facing. And you might be in a challenge right now. And I encourage you to check your perspective. Don't size up yourself against the situation. Don't turn around and say, we, we look, I look like a grasshopper in, in, this, uh, in the eyes of this challenge. And I look the same. Don't do that. Don't size yourself up against the challenge. And so Moses sent out these 12. 10 of them come back. But there's two that say, no, hold on. There's a different report that we have. Yes, there are some challenges, but we can go at once and we can possess it. We can conquer it. It's interesting that he sends out 12 spies. They all saw the same thing. See, Joshua and Caleb, who came back with a good report that said, no, we can go and possess it. They didn't see something else. They all saw the same thing. They all saw that it's a, a land of milk and honey. They also, yes, they are inhabitants that are very large that are challenged. They all saw the same thing. But Joshua and Caleb had a different perspective. They had a different perspective. You see, 10 of the spies that came back with a bad report saw the situation with their natural eyes. Whereas Joshua and Caleb saw the situation with a heavenly perspective. And Moses chose to believe the good report of Joshua and Caleb. But unfortunately, the people, the rest of the Israelite nation, chose to believe the report of the other ten. And so what happened, the, the, the fear gripped their hearts and they had no faith to step in and conquer the land and walk in the promise that God had made to them over so many years ago. And 
those people, unfortunately, would never come to see the promised land. They would die in the wilderness. They would die in the transition. They would die in the in-between place because they chose to believe a bad report instead of the report of the Lord. They chose to look at the situation when they naturalized instead of a heavenly perspective saying, we can go at once, we can possess it, and we can conquer it. And so we need to learn from Moses, Joshua, and Caleb that we don't have to have good news to believe a good report. And like I said, the unfortunate thing is the majority of the Israel nation that God had brought out of Egypt, that He was to take him into the promised land, would never see that promise fulfilled. They would die in the wilderness. They would die in that in-between place because they chose to believe the bad report. They chose to believe the report that was not of God about the ability to go and conquer and take possession of the promise that God had made to Israel. And even today, so many people experience this. They never walk in the promises of God because they're stuck in the wilderness. They're stuck in that in-between place. They're stuck in the what was and what is to come. Why? Because of fear. Because what we do is we, we already make up the end story before we ever attempt to walk in the promise. We already determine the end result before we even take the step out of the wilderness into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb were the two people that came back with a good report. They saw the same thing, but they had a different perspective. They had a heavenly perspective of who they were and who their God was in the situation. And Joshua would eventually lead the people into the promised land. And he would also send scouts uh, to go inspire the land. But this time he would only send two and not twelve. Why? Because he learned that too many bad reports can derail your destiny and can derail the promises of God. Believing too many bad reports can derail what God has promised you. And we only really hear of Joshua and Caleb uh, as the two spies. We don't really know what happened to the, to, the, to the other ten. We only really know of the two of them as the ones that would actually walk into, into the promised land. And so, what was so different about Joshua and Caleb? What was so different about these two? Why, why could they look at the same thing and see uh, and have a different perspective? Well, I believe it's because they had a different spirit. Numbers 14, 24 says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Caleb would eventually walk in the promised land and ask for and be given the high ground, the, the prestigious ground, the, the sought out ground in the promised land. And the word says here that Caleb had a different spirit. Now this word spirit in the original Hebrew is the word ruach. And it doesn't mean a different spirit of God. It doesn't mean the pneuma of God. It doesn't mean the different essence of God or the Holy Spirit as we know it. This word spirit means a different mind, a different perspective, a different outlook. You see, Joshua and Caleb go into the promised land, they scattered out, and everybody else out of the twelve, ten of them, the majority of the spies say, it's great, it's wonderful, it's everything that God has told us it would be. However, there's no ways that we can possess it. The people are too big and we'll richly just be run over. 
That was the majority. That was the, that was the news. And they came back with a bad report. But Joshua and Caleb saw the same thing with a natural eyes, but at a different perspective. They came back and said, look, yes, the news might be bad, but here's the good report. Yes, the people are big. Yes, we look like we're grasshoppers in this side, but we can go at once. We can conquer it. We can possess it. He had a different spirit. He had a different outlook. He had a different perspective. And it is because of this different perspective that, that Caleb would eventually walk in the promised land and be given the prized ground of the promised land, the high ground. He had a different perspective. You see, we need to understand that this different perspective, when we have a heavenly perspective, we have faith, we are leaning on, we are trusting God, when we believe God's word and we have faith in His goodness and His love and His faithfulness towards us, it changes our perspective. And so faith will turn a bad news into a good report. And in the same way, fear will turn any good news into a bad report. We need to surround ourselves with people that will help us interpret bad news with a heavenly perspective. It will help us interpret bad news with the report of the Lord. When we do that, our faith increases to believe the promises of God. The gospel literally means the good news. You see, Jesus was hanging on the cross. He was breathing His last breath and He said, It is finished. What seemed like the worst news of His life would turn out to be the greatest report the world will ever know. Jesus' crucifixion and His uh, subsequent resurrection would pave the way for us to live a life of forgiveness, freedom, and purpose. No matter what news comes into our lives, our stories are already written by an infinitely powerful and loving God. Jesus would say this exact phrase, It is written. In Matthew 4, in the wilderness, when he was being tempted by the, the enemy, while he was being tempted by the devil to give up and, 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 and abort his purpose, he countered every single temptation and scheme of the enemy with the written word of God. He would, say, he would reply to the enemy, to, to the devil, and he would say, it is written. He used the word of God to overcome every scheme and plot of the enemy in the wilderness. See, the enemy has a written script of how he wants to derail our destinies and our life's purpose. It is full of bad news and temptation to issue a permanently negative report in our lives. However, we have the Word of God. We have the, the Word that is alive and it's active. And we can use the Word to to to. Bring about a good report in the midst of bad news. It is the word of God which promises that our report will always be good through Christ. The word says that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. That you are more than an overcomer through the one who loves you. So this week I want to encourage you, no matter what you are facing, no matter what bad news you might, uh, might receive, I want to encourage you to believe the report of the Lord. You see, it is the one, as we saw in Psalm 112, it is the, it is the person who worships God, who has a perspective of God that is so much bigger than their current situation. It is the one that reveres God. 
It is the one that leans in and trusts God and puts their faith in Him. That is the one that is blessed. That is the one that is fortunate. That is the one that is envied. That is the person. And so I want to encourage you this week to lean into God. To delight yourself in the Word. To magnify Him. To have a heavenly perspective of your earthly situation. I want to encourage you to be strong in the Lord. Don't allow the bad news of the enemy to give you a constant and a permanent negative report of your life. No situation is permanent and all things change. And so we must focus our eyes on the things that are above and not beneath those things that are eternal and not things those things that are temporal whatever challenge you you're facing right now i want to encourage you that that is a temporal situation that is a temporary challenge but the word of god and the promise of god and who he is and who you are in him is eternal and that will never change We trust that this message has blessed you. We would like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at our Easter's campus.